we have a bigger business now but it's still it's still about making product it's still about putting it in the van still about the customer it's basically the same thing in a bigger scale the architects of business on joe in partnership with the ey entrepreneur of the year program telling the story of ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of ireland we're famous in this country for the black stuff, and it's for more reasons than one. This is The Architects of Business, Joe's weekly series of interviews with business leaders. I'm Ty Genwright, and today I'll be talking to Colette Toomey, an accidental entrepreneur who took a secret recipe for black pudding and used it to put Clonakilty on the map. Well, I remember the day that he called to me at work when I was in St. Fleming Bars, and he was saying, and how do you feel about being a butcher's wife in Clonakilty? And I said, where? Colette didn't set out to be a food entrepreneur, but when the opportunity arose, she made the most of it. But basically, we want to sell black pudding everywhere. That everybody who loves black pudding as much as we do could buy it in their local shop. That's not a plan, that is vision. She and her husband Edward were the perfect double act in marriage and in business. But fate took him at an early age, so Colette had to find the strength to pick up both her personal and professional lives. My first thoughts were, yeah, if I can just keep it ticking over, I soon realised that you really can't do that. There's no such thing really as a business ticking over. Today we'll hear Colette's thoughts on food fads and marketing, and even if she won't reveal her secret recipe, we'll try at least to learn her secret to success. Colette Toomey, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us. Um, you're on a bit of a roll right now, aren't you? Because Clonakilty is back where it belongs. You've got the factory in the town. We have the factory in the town, yes. Um, we've just completed our move um, now and we're up and running and it's great to have it back. What does it mean to you? Why was it important for you to, to, to bring it back to where it all well, began? Well, it was, it was very important, I suppose, um, going back um, at the time, 10... We're now 15, 18 years ago, um, we um, weren't able to um, build a new factory in Clonakilty. There wasn't a premises suitable for us. And um, so we had to go for a licensed premises. Unfortunately, it was in Cork. and But at the time, it's what we had to do. And our, our plan was always um, keep an eye out for something suitable in Clonakilty. And when we could afford it, we would start from scratch and uh, build new. So that was something you were always working towards... Was there ever a time when you kind of started thinking, actually, it might be cheaper to do it somewhere else or for, for some other reason it didn't make sense to oh, it to, would, it to would have been, Yeah, it would have been much cheaper to turn the key on a, a, a made premises anywhere in the country. It would have been so much easier. But it's not just having a premises to make black pudding and white pudding and sausages and rashers. It's about... Um, it's, Clonacilty is about more than that. It's... Um, I suppose our, the, the company is part of the heart and the history of the town so it was very important it was really very important if we had only something um, half the size or, or um, it was very very important that was the most important thing to me that was in Clannacilty So important uh, psychologically for the town mm-hmm. but how does that help the business or does it help the business? It does it, it does because I think um, I mean our business is all about the feel of the business and the the feel good, and the and I suppose the backing of the town and the enthusiasm of the people and that's what got us going first day. And people were always, you know, when they'd go up the country, they'd go to England on holidays. 
they will always take black pudding with them and you know there were there were two items there was a Hulhans barn brack and um, and the black pudding and they took them with them so they were our marketing they were our ambassadors and without we knowing it wasn't any great plan but it it was just felt right for people and that's how it naturally grew over the years it strikes me looking at your your kind of your whole life story Colette there have been a lot of uh, accidents as it were along the way that, that put you onto the path there was no grand plan was there there was no grand plan it was, there was a lot of vision there was, there was vision and there wasn't a plan at all and there was a lot of um, accidents um, physically and otherwise um, but they were um, I suppose if you have a vision accidents happen the, um, very often the way you want them to happen and um you know, it. People say you're very lucky and all this, but look, look really. Um, somebody defined look recently as um, opportunity and gut, opportunity and instinct. And if you have the two of them together, um, then you make your look. So, um, you know, we've been lucky. It's, it, it has all happened, and um, yes, it's it's all good. But you didn't embark on your career thinking though you're going to end up selling black pudding around the world did you no. I mean what, what no. was what was the what was the early Colette as the, an adult the, like the early Colette um, uh, early days in boarding school in Cork and then um, had the idea that I was it was going to be something in the medical line and I started training in St Finbar's Hospital in Cork as um, a brain um, brain technician um, for um, EEG technician and the course was two years in Cork um, hands-on training and then two years in Great Ormond Street in London but meanwhile I fell in love and the, the, the heart ruled the head <laughs> and after the two years much to my poor mother's dis- dismay um, I decided that um, I was going to stay in Cork and um, marry the butcher in Clonacilty. You married a Clonacilty butcher. That was that was Edward. That was Edward in nineteen seventy. Yeah, we got married in nineteen seventy-seven. And off you went to to, to Clon. Yes. And um, started running the shop together. Yes. And yes. What, I mean, that, he was new to it. He he wasn't he, um, a kind of a lifelong butcher. No, like no, that. no, not at all. He had two uncles, um, um, Paddy McSweeney and um, Dick McSweeney, who were butchers in in Cork. Um, but he was a farmer, farming at, at, at in his heart. He was he was a farmer. But at the time, farming land was very expensive and was outside the um, his reach. And I suppose he saw his uncles making a quick few bob, and it was the nearest thing to farming that he could understand. So he went and trained with his uncles, and um, for just a short time. And then one of the uncles was selling his shop in Clonakilty, so he went and bought the shop. How did you feel about um, suddenly becoming a butcher's wife? Well, I remember the day that he called to me at work when I was in St. Finbar's and he was saying um, it wasn't exactly a proposal. We had um, been thinking of getting married, but um, he was saying, um, and how do you feel about being a butcher's wife in Clonacilty? And I said, where? And I knew Clonacilty was West Cork, but not exactly where. Um, And um, yeah, so I just said, why not? And... That was it. Sure enough, you were started on your journey. Um, so, what were those early days like when you were getting to grips with it? With a business you probably didn't know an awful lot about. No, I didn't know anything. About, I didn't know anything about business, and I, um, other than doing home economics in my in in, in school, I had, didn't know anything about food really, other than how to put a, a dinner on the table. Um, but um, I suppose the butchering business was so close to farming 
and and you know everything that goes with the with with farming and so it it felt it felt um just fine but the early days in the butcher shop were um it was just absolutely hands on and busy in the butcher shop and in the back room then they made the black pudding and we really didn't value it as much as um as we should have um with the butcher shop when 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 Edward bought the butcher shop he bought the recipe for black pudding there was a recipe of black pudding in the butcher shop for over 100 years. And so it wasn't just came, any recipe? No, no, it was a secret one. A secret it was, recipe? It was, it was just known to the shopkeepers alone. And um, so then um, it was known to um, to um, Eddie and I. and But we really didn't value it that much because it was, um, it was you know, you'd the shop was, was a full-time job and then... There was um, the, the black pudding, but people kept on coming in for the black pudding. But, for example, on a Sunday evening, you'd you'd check for Monday morning and next thing you could be turned around and start peeling onions or mm. doing those kind of things. Um, and it was that kind of a... I won't say an awkward, but it was it was a side of the of the um, of the butcher shop that we didn't think had a future at one stage. Yeah, at one stage, you thought it was Which part it, of the past. We, we thought we thought it was part of the past, and um, in fact, supermarkets were kind of starting up at the time. So we were saying, you know, if we just blow out the walls and bring the back room into the shop and make it a bigger shop, it would make a lot more sense. And um, but. I suppose the one good instinct we had was to listen to people and people came into the shop looking for Harrington's black pudding and they, you know, they kept on um, saying, are you sure it's the same pudding? You know, and they were taking it and trying and they were saying, yes, yeah. So it's, so we had the recipe. We knew that was, um, it was precious to keep it the same and that's what we did. So how many of those people had to come through the door asking for the black pudding before... You know the the penny drop. Penny drop, yeah. The penny drop fairly fairly quickly, and you know we were always saying how troublesome it was to make and all the rest of it in a confined space at the back of the shop, and a lot of a lot of butchers made their own pudding. So our our initial idea was, well, if it's trouble for us, it's trouble for everybody else. So why don't we offer a service of supplying them with a a butcher's a put a butcher's black pudding, a homemade black pudding. And that was really what we started with, um, you know, just a few butchers that we knew. And there was no label, it wasn't called anything, but they had it as their own black pudding. And um, then as that, I suppose the penny dropped that, that there was, we had something. We had, And then that's when we decided to label it and call it Clonagilty and do yeah. the logo and all the rest. You, you talk about not having any kind of having had any formal education in business at that stage but it sounds like you did actually have a good instinct good yes I suppose I suppose a bit of common sense and good instinct and I suppose the butchering business because it was such um, people's business you engage with everybody coming in you you know you know the children coming in with their parents you knew the neighbour who did the shopping for um, the pensioner next door or you you know that so it was very much the people's and you were relating and the people were very good were very fast to say um, oh you know no that, that was a grand bit of meat that, that I got on Sunday but um, no that was a bit too fatty or that was a bit too you know so you we had that kind of a great relationship with people then I suppose the, the challenge was taking it from, you know, a local delicacy mm-hmm. and turning it into the, 
the national treasure that it is today, if, if, if you don't mind me saying so. Well, um, and I remember one time um, we were, it was coming to the stage where you had to do business plans and that sort of thing for banks. And before that, it was just a case of, I have an idea, can I have the money? And you did. Um, we got it. But it was coming to the times when you'd have to, um, it wasn't just about knowing the, the local bank manager. He had to submit um, paperwork to Dublin and mm. all that. And I remember one time um, um, Eddie was um, saying, we have to put a business plan together for the bank. Um, what will we do? I literally had a blank sheet of paper and I was saying, but like, how do we put a plan together? And he was saying, well, I was saying, what, what do we want? And he was saying, well, basically, I suppose if we, we, we want to sell black pudding everywhere, that everybody who loves black pudding as much as we do could buy it in their local shop. Now, that's not a plan, and that's the, the, but that is that is vision. And I suppose with that huge goal in mind, um, that's how things, everything we did then, unknowns to ourselves, worked towards that. You, you obviously found it uncomfortable writing a business plan at that stage. Oh, yeah. Not at, because we it was no just idea. not your language. No, no, no. No idea at all. And do you think no do, do people put too much stock in, in business plans? Because, I mean, again, you were following your your gut instinct and you'd gotten to the place you'd, you'd gotten to. I guess suddenly yeah. you were trying to explain well, I, it. Yeah, to, I mean, and a business plan is words on paper. Whereas um, people, the person that's, um, you know, it doesn't record passion. It doesn't record ability to work. Uh, it, it can very often um, record um, history, which is, you know, successes or failures. Um, but other than that, you, you can't put it on paper. You can't, you can't pitch like that. And, um, and I suppose, um, you know, so we, well, thankfully, we were always able to get small bit of money when we needed it but um you know we we never expend we never expanded any more than we could actually afford to so to, little to, by little so very very little by little and these days I suppose if somebody was launching a new consumer brand like that you know people would be putting it through focus groups and yes. testing group tasting groups and things mm. like that I know I but, know. but did you not I mean I guess your focus group was the people coming in oh, the and people coming into the shop and um, I remember one time we were when we started on the sausages and we were going to call them um, one one thing was at the time it was the time of E.T. goes home E.T. was the, the, the movie hmm. and um, and E.T. was Edward Toomey and um, we, we called them E.T. sausages first and no that wasn't going to that was only a fad so that wasn't going to um, that, that, didn't, that wouldn't we, last we got one roll of labels um, <laughs> printed and no that wasn't another one we had um, Blaster you know we always had a bit of Irish and mm. Blaster would have been nice tasty for sausages and somebody came into the shop one day and can I have some of those blasted sausages oh that's not going to work yeah. yeah so you yeah. know <laughs> it's, we were very um, discreetly listening to yeah. people and taking on board and I think if you're if you're listening a lot and if you're taking things on board you don't have to um, make up your mind by other people's but but if you take it all in it will help you um, to create your your own mindset but listen so you know you were the product of, of word of mouth I guess in, in, in the early and days and taste, taste. of course mm. um, but how did you spread that uh, word across the country well, I suppose one of the first things we did was again the agricultural shows um, Cork show spring show in Dublin and I remember going to the, going to Cork show and there were 
you know, asking this um, older gentleman if he'd like to try some black pudding and homemade black pudding. And he said, ah, but you have no idea what homemade black pudding is like. Um, it's not like when we killed the pig long ago and, and had the real the real black pudding. And I said, try this now and see, you know, how different is it? And he was just blown away. You know, it was the old, it was the old recipe, it was the old style of, of um, pudding. And I suppose... Um, you know, word spread. I remember at the time we were only we'd, we'd sell then at Cork Show or we sold at um, Dublin Spring Show, and we weren't in any other shop. And when we came back the following year, there were people lining up to buy again. At this time, we send we send on our Thursday evening we would send boxes of black pudding, and white pudding, around the country to you know people up the country in bed and breakfast to shops a few just a few small shops or if if somebody with a chronic guilty connection had a small shop near them or something or owned something up the country um we had that kind of a network and one monday morning there was a phone call from a gentleman and i'm sorry i don't remember his name now but um he wanted to speak with Eddie and um, Monday morning was too busy, of course. And then he rang back in the afternoon and um, um, Marie in the office, Marie, who's, who's still with us, um, Marie um, said to Eddie, look, this guy's after ringing back a couple of times. Would you just take his phone call? And um, Eddie said, right, OK. So answer the phone to him and he said, I've tasted your pudding Um I was down in Sligo at the weekend at the Crumlet Lodge, which is a bed and breakfast, and um, he said, and, and I love it, and I want it for my shop. Uh, he thought he said shop, and he said, yeah, right, right, yeah, kind of, that was his, that was his way. Sure, um, sure, sure, send me sure, sure, yeah, send me the address and we'll send it. And um, he turned out that he was a director of Queensworth. And that was, and that was a big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal. And there was another um, very passionate um, butcher in, down in Killarney, and um, he rang for the pudding and he was in done stores in, in um, Killarney and he pestered us and, and Marie kept saying, but we have no account. We have no account with done stores. And, and he said, look, I'll pay for the bloody stuff myself. Just send it down. I want it. And, you know, I suppose a few passionate people like that put it, helped to put it all together. Yeah. Did How much did it help that, that it was a secret recipe? How much did that kind of build the, the myth well, I suppose it, at, at the time it wasn't such a big deal, but I suppose the fact now that it's it's um, it, it is still a fact and it's genuine. I suppose that's why um, people are kind of in awe of it, really. I, I know you're not going to reveal any secrets no. to be here today, <laughs> but I mean, you must know what other people put in their pudding, and I just wonder is it is it even close to? Um, well, I suppose, well, we look at a lot of um, ingredients and you have to declare um, all your ingredients now. But, I mean, as a spice mix, um, we are allowed to put the spice mix um, all together. And, um, yeah, I think, I suppose, a lot of them have generic um, spices mixed for them. And it's just that... We're, we're, you we're happen to that. on the, the magic combination. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it, it works. <laughs> I mean, you don't make a huge amount of it in your marketing. I mean, other people, I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, KFC and the Colonel's Secret Recipe. You Could could you make more of it? Or do you think, we is could, it a bit... We could, but you know what? Well, I, I, I suppose, and it's just the style of our business, really. The style of our, of our company, small company. It's very, I suppose, maybe I'm too... Um, um, confined or too old-fashioned in, in in style, 
but it's something that has worked very well for us we don't if 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 other people if people taste our pudding and if other people want to sing and shout about us brilliant that's great but it's we're not ones to um blow our trumpet ourselves okay. we just we we make good product we, we make it right and we can stand over it and we're very proud of it but um we leave it to others to um to blow the trumpets fair enough what's it is it 30 years on the the kind of the the, the open market now as it were yes about 30 years in the in the in the open and market I, and i'm sure the, the the kind of the energy levels are are different today to what they were back then to when you were driving around vans yourself and oh it was yeah that was that time it was very much just a a make and do a hands-on and there weren't complications really now it's you could actually do a full um, weeks work now without leaving the office yeah and when you're when you're kind of working alongside your husband as you were at the time that must be a kind of a different level of energy to, it, to what it would be you know going out to work for somebody else yeah it was um, certainly and you know like the term of family business you know you literally um, it was in our backyard and it you know um, it was Eddie and I and then the, the, the three boys came along so it was very much um, just a network and not that you didn't know you were working but it was there was there was no removing from it really you it was a lifestyle rather than work you know time working and time off it was just a lifestyle yeah but then life took a sad turn for you it did it is 2005 wasn't 2005. it 2005 did, did edward pass away suddenly or was he it, did he yeah. did um he um got um an aggressive form of motor neuron disease and where normally it can be two to five years, um, it was about just about five months. Yeah, was was the time, and um, for months he was diagnosed. There, there was no getting better. It's as everybody knows with that disease, there is, there isn't. You you lose hope immediately. Yeah. I often wonder when it comes to being involved in a family business, and then a part of that family uh, dies. I mean, it must be such a, a compounded blow because not only are you dealing with the, the the personal loss of a loved one, but also the fact that your your professional life is turned on 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 its on its head, and you kind of wonder, you know, some people can throw themselves into their work to cope with a a, yes. a, a grief. Yes. Um, but for you, I mean, it was it was all around you. It was, and it was all all balls in the air, and you know what way they were going to fall. Um, yeah, I, I'm likewise. I suppose when you're when you look back at something, you're kind of saying, "God, how do we do that? Or how did we come through it?" But you know, I suppose uh, at the time, um, you know, you you just take each day as it comes. Um, people that we had some um, great pe- people who had been working with us all the time. Um, they, I suppose, took up they took up the slack and um, kept the kept the business on the road. Um, you know, and th- there was huge mixed emotions, and there was, you know, we were really, I suppose, a few months all over the place. But, um, but then it, it, it kind of, I suppose, um, Eddie passed away in October, and by Christmas, by after Christmas, like Christmas is a hectic, hectic time. I have no idea how we got through that first Christmas. Um, but I suppose um, Marie and Noel and Liam and those who were with us for that number of years. Um, they continued on. They were feeling the loss as well, but they continued on doing what they, um, you know, what 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 they what they do best all the time. And next thing it was two thousand and six, and 
um, I, I suppose I did have to have a chat with myself and say, look, what are we doing here now? Are we going to, um, are we going to do or die really? And um, so I suppose my first thoughts were, um, you know, it's a family business, so you keep it for the boys, and if I can just keep it ticking over. If I can just keep it ticking over for another year, another two years or three years, and the boys will be more in a position to just, you know, take it away. Mm. And um, I soon realised that you really can't do that. There's no such thing really as a business ticking over. Not standing still. Not you standing still. Forward. No, you're going backwards. You're going backwards because everybody else is going forward and business needs to go forward and time goes forward. So um, you just have to... Um, you, you you just you you make up your mind to to do it. Yeah, where did you find the strength? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. I think from the people around me. Um, you know, it was I I I never um thought that I'm doing this on my own. I never thought of myself as the kind of the boss of a company and um having to um you know bring bring everybody along. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I ever felt that. Really, it was, it was all about the, um, the team and the, the um, people around me, and it was just. Well, was there anyone kind of suggesting actually maybe you should prioritise something else? Or, I mean, I wonder as well. You, you were, you were a successful brand at this stage. You were well on your way, weren't yes, you? Yes, we were. And I wonder whether any kind of vulture circling. Oh, circling. they were. There was, there was loads of, um, loads of people with different. Um, they came through accountants, they came through auctioneers, they came through different, um, by the way, kind of um, scenarios. But L- looking, looking to, to looking buy. Looking to buy. But I suppose at that stage, I didn't want to throw in the towel just immediately. I was saying I would give it give it a bash first and and then I'll see, you know, um, I suppose... Um, that was that was kind of where where I that's that's where my thinking was. So um, did you tell them to take a running jump? And there was one guy. <laughs> somebody rang one day and rang and just Marie answered the phone and they said uh, they were humming and talking about the weather and talking about the different things first. And then um, he came out and he said, I know it was an accountant, and he said, um, is Clan Kilty Black Pudding for sale? And Marie didn't take a minute because she doesn't have to take a minute to come up with something smart. And Marie said, it is, yeah, in shops all over Ireland. <laughs> but, the, but the company was um, was, was staying put at, at in family in hands. family hands, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Colette, thank you very much. Do stay with us, though, uh, because still to come on the Architects of Business, we've still got to hear how Colette and her team in Clonakilty weather the storms and ride the waves of passing food trends. You're listening to the Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Visit eoy.ie to find out more about the program and this year's finalists. Get in touch. Mail us on the Architects of Business at joe.ie. Colette, it strikes me that, you know, from an Irish breakfast point of view, you've kind of taken it over. You own the gourmet Irish breakfast now. Well, I suppose um, taking over is one thing, but I suppose we were front runners, really. Um, you know, coming from the butcher shop, um, we were the, probably the the first to um, make to put a, a homemade black pudding out there, and the options, you know, the choice wasn't wasn't huge at the time, and um, I suppose we were the, we were first rather than. Um, 
than taking over the whole the whole place. I suppose lots of people, as you were saying earlier, have their favourite local butchers that do a really good sausage or a really good black pudding. The only difference is they didn't try and push it out there into the into the wider market. I suppose yes, that's 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 probably it. And um, um, you know, when we were making it at the back of the butcher shop, we didn't think of a factory with you know or a, a manufacturing plant. You know, sending out. I remember one time we were. Um, doing a cold room putting in a cold room this was when we moved to the just outside town on the farm and um the 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 guy who was the fitting the fridge door um he said to Eddie you know he said if you just made it but two inches wider it would take a pallet you know and yeah. Eddie's answer was and when will we ever have a pallet <laughs> need a pallet you know and I often think of that when you see pallets of boxes of um of, of black pudding leaving the, the place now yeah uh, and now they're going far farther and farther afield I yeah. mean you, you, you conquered Ireland and you're in lots of UK lots, supermarkets now yeah, lots of UK um, supermarkets and there's huge potential there I know there's the, the the shadow of Brexit now at the moment but there's huge potential and and as it was a, a bigger battle than you know the UK is a bigger battle for us because one, it's one thing to you get it on the shelf you get past, you know, get sell it to the buyer, and they put it on the shelf. But it's another thing to create and um, the market for it. So we we do tastings and things like that in in the UK now. And Clonakilty doesn't mean a place. It doesn't mean anything to people in the UK. So that's you know they're they're every, everyday obstacles for us now. How important are the the diaspora in kind of spreading the message? You mentioned that's, it earlier about the brand ambassadors, and it's probably no coincidence that what's it, you're going to Australia now as well. Yes, yeah, we we contract manufacture in Australia, and that was really as a result of people you know mothers um, emailing us saying how will they get a Christmas present to their Johnny in, in Sydney and Bondi Beach and mm-hmm. how will they you know how all he's missing is, is, is the black pudding and the potatoes and the berries tea you know so um, I suppose just again listening to people we um, said about contract manufacturing we, you can't um, export to Australia the meat um, you can't send the meat into Australia but you can send the spice so what we do, we send the spice to um, a small butcher in uh, Melbourne and he makes the pudding for us. And we have um, um, a cork girl, Cheryl, um, down there and she keeps an eye on everything. So the, the, the mix has gone over there, but not the secret recipe. Not the secret recipe. No, 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 no. That's all, that's all made in Glanagilty. Yeah. All mixed. Um, and, and pudding has gone beyond the breakfast plate as well. Oh, it has. I it mean, has. I've, I've had it served to me as a, a kind of a... Uh, canapé at a party that kind and, of thing and again that probably all started um, um, a chef Michael Clifford he had um, a restaurant here in the Mardike and um, Lord of Mercy he's, he's um, passed away um, he um, grew up in um, he was friends with the family in Collins family in Clonagilty and he was there as a young boy in off lot and he loved the black pudding he loved the texture of it and he loved um and I think he helped he helped us to be as passionate about the actual um, product itself. Um, you know how crumbly it was and how you know um, how versatile. Uh, yeah, how versatile. Yeah. And he was the first that started putting it with scallops and putting it with different things, and then other chefs and you know stuffing into chicken. The floodgates had opened. It, yeah, well, it didn't happen overnight, but um, yeah. it just changed the thinking. What's and your own a, What's your own favorite? Um, I like the scallops and black pudding, and um, you know, they're now um, for the taste of Dublin. Now we're having um, white pudding 
um, stuffed into belly of pork mm. and it is gorgeous I bet absolutely gorgeous and, and you know put a belly menu chutney or put a, a little flavour of um, some um, sauce or, ch- or chutney with it and it is delicious and I think somebody recently said that black pudding is a superfood yes yeah. Yes, that and that's because is that because the blood of the iron or something? It, like the that? blood and the iron, and you know, and I mean, if somebody thinks about it, it's it's oats, it's onions, it's um, meat, and it's blood. The the, the black pudding is, and um, like they're all all they're all good. So um, as was at one time, um, you know, animal fats were taboo. But now, sure, everybody is doubling butter on everything. Yeah, so, yeah. So all um, trends change, but. You know, it's um, people take a lot of medicine for iron and the black pudding would do the same. You must, though, also have at some points in your history found yourself on kind of low down on a or on high up on a dietitian's kind of warning list yes. about things to avoid. Yes. How do you I mean, did you feel that as a kind of a peak or a trough? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, there'd be trends come out and it would be you know um, um, the fat content would be taboo and would be or something else you know we were always it was always um, that was always on the cards that we'd go up and down with different different fads and different ideas Mm. but I suppose good food is still good food and um, you know um, a, a food with four or five natural ingredients and a food that's um, with a lot of preservatives and a lot of enhancers and flavour enhancers and all that, um, which which can be better for you. You know, it's it's a no-brainer. Do you follow only fad diets yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I don't. Um, All just the good foods. Yeah, just yeah. plain. Plain and very... I'm a very, very plain food eater. Uh, Obviously, giving back to your your community is is a big deal for you. You've you've put this factory in place in the town where the company was born. Um, on a kind of more hands on basis, though, do you believe in spreading the word, spreading the the advice that you've you've uh, accumulated all through the years to other aspiring entrepreneurs? Well, um, I suppose in 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 a small way, I might be asked to speak to the transition year in the college in Clannacilty or in Bandon or somewhere like that but on a bigger scale then the um, Going for Growth programme is for young start-up companies and I did a few years of um, doing a group um, that you're, you have a mentoring um, over eight weeks you mentor um, start-ups and it's amazing um, how, you, how I've seen some of those companies um, growing and um, and you would know nearly day one with people with the right attitude if they're if they're on a winner with um with with their company and the first question I'd always ask um people um what would make your company what would help you with your company and then most of them would start with funding if I had fifty thousand if I had a hundred thousand I could use it on marketing and I could use it. and by the time at the end of our session I'd ask them the same question and it would be not the money if they had the money it, they wouldn't know they would spend they wouldn't spend it wisely it was skill it was um getting their um structure right getting their systems right um that would be the priority so it's amazing um i suppose i remember the when when i was at Ernest and Young when i was a finalist in, in 2010 in the first year i was totally out of my depth i felt totally out of my depth and when we were asked to stand up and speak about our businesses, um, 
I was one of the last to speak because I was just so um, so not in the zone. And somewhere through half the people talking, I was saying, no matter what size business or what or what startup or where you are in your business, um, everything is about the first thing you have to have commit passion, commitment, hard work. And I noticed no matter these multi-million um, companies they were still about the same thing or they all start in the same place. So whether you're starting in in, in the kitchen with your your food processor or whether you're into a, a big stuff, it's all the same. You, the same ingredients go into making the, um, the business. Do you, you know, see many differences between yourself and your other kind of uh, Entrepreneur of the Year peers who, you know, might have been writing their first business plan at the age of 15. I mean, you both ended up in similar places, but taking very different journeys. Yes. And um, yeah, there was a time when I would have thought that that would have to be the way that you would have to do it. You would have to, um, you know, go the, um, I won't say, I won't call it the educated route because it's, we were educated, but in a, in, in a more practical way. Um yeah, I look at them now and say, well, you know, you've you've made it one way, I've made it another way, and um, it's um, and I suppose it's it's great from my from my point of view. Um, there are lots of aspects. We have a bigger business now, but it's still it is still about it's still about making product. It's still about putting it in the van. It's still about the customer, and you know, and and that's it's basically the same thing in a bigger scale. But if you don't, if you're well rooted in the small stuff, you'll handle the big stuff then. Mm. So you were mentioning earlier your three sons that you kind of, uh, they're part of your reason for keeping the business uh, going for them. Mm -hmm. Um, How how involved are they now? They're um, hands on um, a little bit. Hands on a bit. Well, um, Ed, the eldest, um, our eldest is very much into the innovative side of things and um, the 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 marketing and the um, you know he devised the the recipe now for uh, what we have the taste of Dublin the the belly of pork with the with the um, with the with the pudding. pudding stuff and yeah and you know so lots of new ideas like that so he's involved in the, in, in that part of it um, Patrick then is doing his own thing he's in Hong Kong um, he came through um, as finance but he keeps a very close eye on the the other end of the emails for keeps an eye on the let's say the the more structured um, financial side of it and then we also have a farming operation and Jonathan is in the and the farming operation then so you know so they're 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 not far away at all yeah and collect do you have a plan at all about how you're going to pass on that secret recipe to them well not really I suppose the um, the plan at the moment it's written down with a solicitor just in case the number 11 bus comes and, and takes me out of it um, no my, I might have my head in the sand but um, not a huge plan at the moment um, I suppose there are three boys there if it's to stay in the in the family and in the business um, any one of them isn't deserving of it more than the other and uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see but for the time being you're keeping it close to your chest a close guarded secret Colette Toomey lovely to talk to you thank you very much for uh, coming and talking to us today delighted to talk to you Thanks for joining us today on The Architects of Business and thanks to our wonderful guest, Colette Toomey. The programme was produced by Patrick Hawhey and all the team here at Joe. 
Thanks to, to our sponsor, EY Entrepreneur of the Year. You can go to their website, eoy.ie, to learn more about the programme and all of the finalists for this year. Make sure to subscribe to listen to future editions of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Republic. You can watch us on YouTube as well and check out Joe's other podcasts, including the Hard Yards on Rugby, the GAA Hour and our movie show, The Big Review Scheme. Next week, I'll be talking to Cottle O'Connell, the man who put those big, green, garish tourist buses, the paddy wagons, onto our roads. So do join me for that. Bye-bye. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland.